Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Trisha Bobita, if you could invent a robot, what would it be and why? Well, in the vein of the person we're talking to this week, I have a crappy robot idea. It's really more of a terrible invention idea that I've been told shouldn't be allowed to be a thing, but I still think it would be helpful for me. Go on. I think that there should be a invisible fence-like collar for humans <laughs> that doubles as an alarm clock. Oh, my God. So that when it goes off and you wake up because of it, yeah. it kind of works like... you? Just a little, though. <laughs> It works sort of like a reverse invisible fence where, like, it knows what the parameters <gasps> of your bed are. You from the bed? So, no. But if you try to get back into bed, oh, it goes because no. <laughs> it's time to get up. So I think that an invisible wow. fence around your bed so you can't go back to sleep and hit the snooze button. I feel like that's really masochistic. I mean, if it's that terrible, then why are we doing it to our dogs? From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. I'm Trisha Bobita. Today, we are talking with YouTube's queen of shitty robots, Simone Yetch. Simone is a Swedish inventor, maker, and robotics enthusiast who has made her career by becoming insanely good at building bad robots. She demonstrates these bad robots on her YouTube channel, where you'll find things like an alarm clock that slaps you with a scary rubber hand in the morning. Not that different from my idea. (laughs) I know, yeah, but still kind of terrible. Yeah. She also made an automated vegetable chopper with eight foot long knives. I'm pretty sure she like chopped a dryer in half or a washing machine. Yeah, what was it? It was a dishwasher. It was terrifying. Oh my gosh. She also has a robotic arm that applies lipstick for you, which she demonstrated on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. I'm all clean. What what, what do I do now? So Mm. you have to get your makeup done. (laughs) All right, where do I go? Where do I go? Where should my head be? I'll show you. Okay. Okay. So just stay put. Stay stay put? Stay put. (laughs) Okay, now you need to go here. Okay. Go there. Mm-hmm. Since listeners can't see what's happening in this video, we should point out that the crowd is laughing because the robot is applying lipstick all over Stephen Colbert's face. Yeah. It's not going well for him. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> Besides running her YouTube channel and appearing on late night talk shows, Simone is also a guest host on Adam Savage's Tested. And she spends the rest of her waking hours, she says, figuring out how to attach stuff to stuff. Simone, welcome to Nerdette. Thank you. Simone, we love shitty robots. Why did you start this channel? I don't really know. It wasn't as much a decision. It wasn't that I was sitting down one day and being like, okay, I want to make a career out of building stuff that don't work. It was more (laughs) that I was just, I was really, I, I found like shitty robots really appealing or robots that don't work that well or kind of just make a mess. I thought it was really funny. And I was also kind of bad at building stuff. So I was like, I'm not really good enough to build things that are actually useful. So maybe I should just take a crack at building things that are useless and had that as a way of learning how to about electronics and about robotics. Can you think of an example of a robot you thought was 
unintentionally comically bad that helped inspire you? I mean, everything that comes out of Boston Dynamics is a gold mine. <laughs> but I mean, the robots are great. I mean, they're really sophisticated, but they do like fall over and, and kind of up a lot. And I think it's I just think it's hilarious. It's I mean, I'm also a sucker for like videos of kids falling because they fall in the <laughs> most ridiculous ways. But I feel that that's like less OK. <laughs> I just feel like a horrible person when I laugh about it. So it's like, OK, robots, they're actually not very sentient or being able to like feel pain. So it's OK to laugh at them trying to figure out life. Yeah, especially because a lot of these really intense robot demos are like, this will be the new war machine. And then when you watch it, just go and tip over. (laughs) It's sort of comforting to know that we aren't really living in a sci-fi future quite yet. Yeah, it's just this funny like discrepancy between because they are super sophisticated and like hours and hours and hours of engineering and of super smart people who have built this. And then they like struggle opening a door. And it's just something really hilarious about that. So I don't want to read too much into this, but I mean, I think especially in engineering, there is that really important philosophy that I think in general we kind of overlook, which is the idea that like it's okay to make things that are terrible because they are learning experiences. How important is that notion for you in the stuff that you're making? I think to me it was because I'm not an engineer by trade. I'm I'm self-taught in hardware and in like mechanics. And I realized that I put like, like really heavy burden of myself of building things that I actually found a use case for or that I was like, this is the end goal with this. And I think to me, it's really important, especially when you're learning to just be like, cut yourself a lot of slack and take away all the hurdles that are kind of in the way of you getting started and just being like, I'm just going to build for the sake of building things. And it doesn't matter if it's something that I'm going to turn into like a billion dollar business or something that I'm just going to do that will make me laugh. So I think in learning processes, I think it's super important to be okay with building things that might not always work and that fail and kind of turning it into something fun and and something that you enjoy doing. But I think even when you're doing stuff professionally, like it's really important to kind of keep the passion with the tools that you're using. Or I find that a lot of people who are engineers and who are super competent kind of lose the fun in it because they're always doing very serious stuff and I think like it's important to play around with the tools that you have to kind of keep your enthusiasm about it and also that's like how a lot of innovation happens you're just like randomly doing stuff and then something happens yeah absolutely so you can accidentally invent something useful in another way yeah that you weren't really expecting yeah I wonder we mentioned the slapping alarm clock and the giant terrifying vegetable chopper uh, (laughs) and a couple of other things but what is your favorite design or prototype so far that you've built? I mean, I like and hate all of them. (laughs) They're kind of like your kids. You're like, I made you. I'm proud of you. But you're also terrible. (laughs) Um, But I think my favorite probably is the popcorn helmet. Because that was the first project that I built with Adam Savage. So it's a helmet that uh, feeds you popcorn. So it's like a beer helmet. But instead of two beer cans, it has two popcorn containers. And it has two hands that just like go to your mouth and feed you popcorn. <laughs> and I think it's that like a lot of the robots, I feel really stupid when I wear them. Like when I wear the toothbrush helmet, for example, I just feel really stupid. <laughs> I'm, I kind of feel like a dog with like one of those veterinarian cones on them. And you're like, I'm just a clown. But with a popcorn helmet, I feel like a million bucks. I really feel like I could do anything. But is that because you get to wear it in the dark while watching a movie? 
I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's the setting that's the good part. But no, it just looks so weird. And so it's it's such a bizarre thing. And I don't know. I just I just really like the May. It makes me feel like a funny person. I love the idea of the popcorn helmet, too, because I feel like it has been my personal mission in life to figure out how many kernels of popcorn I can fit into my mouth at any given moment. And I feel like the helmet would really help me figure that out. But do you mean that with dry popcorn kernels or because I feel that you could like if you put them in your mouth and you let them soak, like they lose a lot of their volume and you're going <laughs> to be able true. to shove a lot more into it. Or is it all just like dry? Just like one handful, you know, it's like how much mm-hmm. of the scoop can you get in there? Just one yeah. time though. And then the chewing, you know, and the, the yeah. subsequent. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like she wants to do it like the hot dog eating content guys where they soak the buns in water so that they yeah, can no. slide Whoa. down the gut. Oh, disgusting. Gosh. <laughs> water soaked hot dog buns or I just got like a visceral reaction yeah maybe that should be my next project so how many of the inventions you think you've made involve helmets you mentioned popcorn and toothbrush I was just wondering I think it's three that have helmets I also did a helmet that suspends your iPhone in front of you so if you're like walking down the road because a lot of people are like phone walking and then obviously walking and looking at their phone and they're kind of a hazard to society and to themselves. And I was like, yes. there must be a safer, better way to do this. So I did a proper like helmet that had the phone suspended in front of it so you can go and look at your screen but still have like the peripheral vision around you. And also it protects your head because you're wearing a helmet. That's funny because you <laughs> said the phone suspended in front of you, but I thought phone dangle. <laughs> phone dangle yeah i was like oh what would that even be you know just a dangling phone just like oh like one of those like uh donkeys that have like a little carrot hanging in front of them attached to a fishing rod but you have that but your phone yeah exactly that people want their phone so they keep walking towards it (laughs) oh yeah that is really dystopian also we should make sure google knows about this invention because they can now say that they are the second least awkward way to consume internet because google glass was probably (laughs) thinking they were still the worst version of this but i think phone dangle might be worse yeah So when you're making these things, you're genuinely trying to make a machine that completes a task. But like you said, your goal is also to make people laugh. And I wonder what made you gravitate towards this intersection of science and comedy, two things that we don't always think of as going hand in hand. Comedy just naturally fits into most stuff I do. I think that's how I stay enthusiastic about something. I'm not a very serious person myself, so that's how I approach tricky things. Like when I'm trying to learn something new and that I feel is kind of frightening, I just like sprinkle comedy on top of it. And I think it just lightens everything up. But all of this is an afterthought. Most of the stuff I do is an afterthought. I mean, I started doing this just because I thought it was fun and I was just wanted to build stuff. But I do think it's kind of like putting syrup in your medicine because it is like tricky to teach yourself about hardware. And a lot of people aren't appealed by engineering. Like engineering generally appeals to a, a specific type of person. And I think if you put comedy in there, there's a lot of people who would never watch like robotics videos who can still watch my videos because they're kind of, you lure them in, you lay out this like a little honey trap of dick jokes. <laughs> and then they're like, wow, we actually learned something. People have this like weird sentiment of like that it has to be hard and very serious and that's when you're actually learning at your best or that's like when you're learning the important stuff but I think like if you're making it fun people's attention span is so much greater because they're kind of like staying alert because they they don't want to miss the jokes after the break Simone tells us how she deals with YouTube fame and then we quiz her on a history of wacky inventions you're listening to Nerdette 
Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Simone, we read that your mother, Caroline Yetch, is a novelist and a Swedish TV host. What was that like growing up? Do you think it had an impact on you? I mean, in some way, because both of my parents worked in television. My dad was a TV producer for a really long time, and he also ran a production company in Sweden. Um, I mean, first and foremost, it made me swear off ever working in television because you don't <laughs> want you don't want to do the thing that your parents are doing. But then eventually I realized that, like, OK, this is what I actually enjoy doing and what I feel that I can contribute a fair amount into. But I think now it's helped a lot with having a mom that's been a public person for a very long time. She's been a TV host for I think around 20 years. And because it's like a very weird transition to become a public person. I'd never anticipated it being as nerve wracking as it is. And having her experience to kind of lean back on has been really, really great. What do you think the hardest part has been for you? I think that nothing makes people as big assholes as being famous or getting a lot of praise. So I think it's that, just like not letting it get to you in that way. But it's it's interesting. I just try to remind myself that there are a lot of people that I think are really awful and that do really uninteresting stuff and that still get a lot of praise and get told on a daily basis they're amazing. So it doesn't really mean that much. And also my mom said this really funny thing. She's Right in the beginning, when the Queen of the Shooting Robots stuff started happening, I was like, how do you handle, like, people wanting to take your photo or, like, people wanting to sleep with you that would otherwise never be interested in you? And she was like, Simone, I just picture myself having the world's biggest boobs because something as fame is as vain as having a huge rack and it makes some people want to sleep with you it makes some people want to take photos with you but it doesn't actually say anything about who you are or what you are and I'm kind of thinking about that a lot so whenever somebody's like can I take a selfie I'm like oh it's just because of my huge tits right (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious So you were probably surrounded by the idea of putting things on camera then early on if both your parents were working in television. But what were the early influences that got you tinkering? I was always building stuff as a kid. I think I really liked, what is his name in English? Upfina Jukke. I think it's like Gyro Gearloose or something in Donald Duck. There was an an inventor and I always thought he was really cool. I mean, I, I just liked picking stuff apart and I did a lot of like woodworking and built a lot of furniture, but then I kind of fell out of it. And most of all, I never saw myself as somebody who would like technical builds and do stuff. I, I never saw myself as somebody who would like hardware. My brother was always like tinkering with computers and building computers at, from a very, very early age. But I was just like, no, I'm not. I mean, maybe I could do like some sewing or woodworking. And I think that that is in part because of it is a very like male-dominated um, stereotype or just the stereotype that the person who likes hardware is is a dude. And it took me until I was 23 until I realized, like, 
wait, there's nothing that says that I can't be a good programmer or that I can't be good at this because I was always carrying this thought that I couldn't do it well or that people would kind of catch me with being really stupid. I still struggle a lot with that, with just like imposter syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome is real. I mean, studies have shown that it's happening to young women, especially pretty much as soon as they hit school. There was a big new study that came out recently that showed that girls as young as six have already decided that when they are asked to pick from a group of people they don't know who are the brilliant ones, they point to the boys more than they point to the girls, which totally bums me out. But I'm really glad that by age 23, you had broken out of that and decided to start tinkering more. I think that's awesome. It's interesting because you realize you're just like carrying all these weird stereotypes or these weird fallacies or, or things that you're like, why, wait, why wouldn't I be a good programmer? There's no proof that I wouldn't be good at it. I was like, I have a logical mind. I mean, I like math. I like like solving puzzles and problems and it was, but it, it's funny because it wasn't until I saw another woman doing it and this really cool hardware hacker in Sweden called Ellen Sund. And I remember I saw her talk and I was like, that's kind of where all just like all this bullshit that I've been carrying around. I started like looking at it and being like, wait, why if she can do it? Like, why can't I do it? There's nothing that says I couldn't do it. So I try and keep on reminding myself. I mean, I still get it sometimes. Now I feel pretty safe in, in my skills and I, I have a much easier time gauging what problems I can solve and what problems I need to learn new stuff to solve. But it's still, I can still tackle with it. I mean, I have that with like driving as well. I don't have a driver's license. And for some reason, I still have this like mindset that I won't be able to be a good driver. And I'm like, there's nothing, nothing that I've done that have supported this theory that I'd be a bad driver. Yeah, no, you'd be fine. I mean, you would definitely be better than any number of people who are already driving anyway. So at least yes. you have that. <laughs> so Simone, we really want to hear about your next big project. What's what's next in store for you? I try to be very proactive when I build stuff and kind of plan stuff out ahead, but that's never how it happens. But I mean, I am. I'm building a claw machine um, Go on. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, claw machines suck. Like, they never, the claws. Like, the ones that you get a toy if you put in yeah. the money and move the lever. Okay, that kind of claw machine. Okay. But you never get the toy because it sucks. No, yeah. Yeah. One time, can I just tell you guys one time, <laughs> I was in a hotel traveling for my brother's baseball team, and we found a claw machine that had just been, like, overstuffed, overfilled. And so all you had to do was basically just move the thing and multiple stuffed animals would fall down into the winning bucket. And we got armfuls and armfuls of them and just gave them to everyone we knew. And it felt like at age, I think, eight or nine, which I was at the time, like I had won the lottery. (laughs) Carry on. You're going to fix the claw machines that don't normally work like the one I found. I Yeah, but I'm going to fix it too much. So I'm working on making a really strong claw. And that basically just crushes whatever it's trying to pick up. So it just destroys the toy. (laughs) Yeah. So that's one thing. So instead of having a super weak one that it can't pick it up, it picks it up and then it just like crumples it and gives it to you. Oh, that's amazing. Right here, we're going to drop in the Arrested Development clip. Oh, you caught my tendon in your claw! My claw. Oh, God! Oh, oh. I'm a <laughs> You also have a project coming up that I'm intrigued about because it involves astronauts. Can you tell us about DIY Astronaut? Yes, I really want to go to space, which it's funny when you tell people that you get all different kinds of reactions. But most people are like, "Okay, yeah, good luck. 
in a kind of cynical way, which I understand because it's a ridiculous goal to have. But uh, I mean, one of the reasons that I started studying physics was because I wanted to become an astronaut. And I am ridiculously underqualified, but I figured that that's a problem that you can solve. So I set out and made my own astronaut training program. So it's it's a web series that's funded by Google. Google's making a science team. And basically, yeah, I make my own astronaut training program and put myself through very rigorous, but not always very well thought through training. Have you thrown up yet? I haven't thrown up yet, but I think I will. Oh, I would put money on that you will, don't you think? Yeah. Isn't that kind of a whole deal? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, a part of, it's a part of it, yeah. So, yeah, it's part for the course, part of paying the dues to becoming an astronaut. Yeah, no, you got to be totally okay with throwing up, pooping yourself, everything, and you got to be able to control it, yeah. I have not worn diapers during my training program. Yet. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yet. I think you need a yet in that <laughs> yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm not sure when I, when I marry it, but I've done some other th- stupid stuff that nobody should do at home. So oh, good. Yeah, it was really fun and kind of nerve-wracking. We look forward to watching that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I look forward to you watching it, too. I am, I haven't felt this excited about putting something out for a long time. So it would be really, really fun and fun to see people's reaction to it. Well, that sounds amazing. So it's called DIY Astronaut. You can check out episode one on YouTube and follow the hashtag send Simone to space. That's how you have to say it. I like that you said it muppety. Well, yeah, you got it. Pigs in space. In just a minute, a game with Simone you don't want to miss. It's called Two Robots and a Lie. You're listening to Nerdette. We have a game to play with you. You make a lot of robots and inventions, so we thought it would be fun to see just how much you know about the wackiest inventions that have ever been made. So if it's okay with you, we want to play a game called Two Robots and a Lie. For each question, we're going to read three inventions. Two of them are real, and one is a made-up contraption, and your job is is to guess the lie. Oh, gosh. I am so down. Game time. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, number one. These are all food inventions. We have A, the egg cuber. This is a contraption that smashes your egg into a cube, helping hard-boiled eggs everywhere not roll away. B is thirsty dog and thirsty cat, beef and fish-flavored water for your pets. And then C is the sauce syringe. This is a tiny syringe that you fill with tomato sauce, and then you can insert into each individual bucatini noodle. A, B, or C? I think B is fake. C is fake. Really? I thought that that would be the most reasonable one. I know, right? That's what we all thought. We were very impressed when our producer made that up. That should be a thing. Let's let's make C not fake. Can somebody <laughs> please turn that into a product? I'll I'll pay Good. seven dollars for it. <laughs> I'll put seven dollars down for that. So there's fourteen. <laughs> It'll cost like fifteen at Crate and Barrel, but if you're willing to pay seven. <laughs> Okay, here's your second question. These are all about vices. 
So we have A, caffeinated eye drops. They literally keep your eyes open. B, a cigarette umbrella, which is, you know, like a little umbrella that you would put over your cigarette to keep it dry. Or C, the flask tie, which is a tie that you can fill with alcohol and sip at work or wherever you want to wear a tie and drink at the same time. Oh, my God. I know, right? Mm, I'm thinking the caffeinated eye drops. You are correct. Yes! Caffeinated eye drops. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Which means there is such a thing as an umbrella for your cigarette. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last one. These are all clothing inventions. Let me just play the scorekeeper oh, for yes. a moment. Oh, yes. Trisha, tell us where we are. One winning answer, one losing answer. <gasps> so this is it. Tiebreaker. Okay, this is Simone, the tiebreaker. What happens if I win or if I lose? What are the stakes, Trisha? Yeah. <laughs> if you win... I will buy a food safe syringe situation <laughs> and mail it to you so that you can have your own sauce syringe. Oh, if really? you lose, I will not. Oh my God. Okay. I really, okay. Oh my God. I can get a package. I love getting packages. Okay. 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 I'm game. No pressure. All the pressure. All the pressure is okay. on. A sleevey wonders, sleeves that you can add on to any outfit to help keep you warm. B, pizza pants, pants made of real slices of pizza so that you can snack throughout the day. Or C, baby mop, a baby onesie with mop heads on the legs and arms so that you can put your kid to work. What do you think? I want to say B, but I also feel that that's something that Lady Gaga could have worn (laughs) at some point. Um, But I am going to go. I think you should. Uh, trust your instincts. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to go with B. You are correct. Ding, 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 <gasps> ding, 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 ding. Oh, my God. Pizza pants do not exist. <laughs> but baby mops do. People are making their babies mop their floors. That is hilarious. I kind of want to have a baby so they can help mop my floors. Simone, before we let you go, what homework would you like to assign the Nerdette listeners? Oh, gosh. I think the I want to assign people to build some stuff. I think that that's all I want and something that's the most fun for me to see when people make their own inventions and share that. So if anyone feels it, go and build a shitty robot or like a non-shitty robot and come and share it with us. Awesome. That's excellent homework. Simone Yetch, thank you so much for coming on Nerdette. This was really fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a ton of fun. All right, so I'm going to, uh, it might take me a couple days to build the sauce syringe, but that is your <laughs> prize. <laughs> Are you actually going to make it? Oh, oh yeah. She's good. Trisha I can't the... lie on the radio. I'm <laughs> yeah, a journalist, all right? <laughs> I look forward to that so much. Now I kind of want one. Greta, you did not win. You do not get a sauce <laughs> syringe. Simone gets a sauce syringe. <laughs> Fair enough. The show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Candace Mattel. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. And our intern is Brady Guy. Who we will not replace with a robot yet. We'll see about that. Don't worry, Brady, you're fine. Subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on NPR One, or listen on the WBEZ app. Also, thanks to Tay Tadpole for the iTunes stars and for telling all your friends about Nerdette. You should do the same. I like to think that Tay Tadpole is someone who both likes Tay Diggs and frogs mm, a lot. Interesting. That like, like those it. are their two favorite things. I feel like her name is probably Taylor, but I like where you're going. Nope. <laughs> You're a fan of frogs and Tay Diggs. Okay. You can as help. we all should be. <laughs> 
You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcasts. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. I want something that folds my laundry for me. You know, like a mom, <laughs> but a robot. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.